Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, Before we get to my interview with Walt Mueller of CPYU, I just wanted to remind everyone that there is still time for you to sign up for our youth leader training this year in April. We'll be having Micah Edmondson, Scott Sauls, and Nancy Guthrie joining us in Nashville, so be sure to sign up. If you go to rym.org slash training, you'll see the information there to register. As I said, registration will be closing soon, but there is still time, and we would love for you to join us. Uh, Right now, here's my interview with Walt. Hope you enjoy it. Today, we welcome uh, Dr. Walt Mueller back to the podcast. Walt, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me back, John. Absolutely. Um, I'm fairly certain all of our listeners know who you are. Uh, you're the president for Center for Parents Youth Understanding, CPYU.org. And Walt, how many years now has CPYU been around? Is this 37? Is that right? Well, that's awful nice of you to say 37. It's 32, actually, but maybe okay. for some people it feels like 37. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, it's hard to believe, you know, as you get older, you just realize that time is like a blink. You know what the scriptures say is true. And man, I can't believe it's been, yeah, 32 years. We got we got started in 1989. All right. Yeah. And and many people know you, you've written several books, uh, Youth Culture 101, uh, The Space Between, Engaging the Soul of Youth Culture. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right. I always mess that title up. Um, you also have, I mean, so many resources on your website. You've got a podcast, Youth Culture Matters. Um, any, any other things you, you want to highlight that I'm uh, leaving out there? Well, you know, we study youth culture. So just a couple things that would be helpful to people, I think, besides the Youth Culture Matters long-form podcast, we have a one-minute daily podcast called Youth Culture Today. And that's one of our best kept secrets. Unfortunately, uh, we're trying to let people know about it because it's a great resource. You know, I hope, we hope here that youth workers will get their parents subscribing to that because it's one minute of daily encouragement that's biblically based. And we, we raise issues that are in youth culture, try to raise the youth culture awareness of parents. And, you know, what we're about here is equipping, equipping uh, parents and youth workers to see themselves and to function as cross-cultural missionaries. So that podcast really, that little daily dose there, and that's been running for 17 years to start as a radio show. And it's still on about 800 stations around the country, but we've, we've made it into a podcast too. So uh, the, you know, the other thing I'll mention, John, is uh, I've got, I've got something I've worked on that's coming out with you guys with RYM and the track series. So that's nice. Uh, stu- yeah, I forgot to bring that up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, stu- well, I'll remind you, it's a student's guide to navigating culture, which I, I mean, you're, you're better informed on when that's going to come out, but it really is about helping our teenagers think biblically and Christianly about, about life and culture and the things they encounter in the world. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited about that. Those who know about our track series, it's a, a booklet series that it's aimed at students. And so we've had three titles uh, already released and we've got three forthcoming titles and yeah, Walt's getting to, to do one of those. And, and I'm thinking off the top of my head, it's June. Um, I hope it's June. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited about that. And those who are familiar with it know that it's written uh, for students. It's uh, accessible to them yet theologically rich at the same time. So students can read this on their own, but definitely a book that parents can read alongside with them or youth workers. Um, so we hope uh, people can utilize that in a lot of ways. And we're, we're really excited about that uh, coming out. 
Um, well, it's something I'd love for you to, to bring up as we, you know, are in this uh, ninth season of our, our podcast and we're talking about biblical sexuality and we're talking about a lot of issues around just um, uh, God's design for, for sex and sexuality. And uh, you've started a cohort through uh, CPYU. Uh, you and, and Kyle Hoffsmith have uh, led that together. And is it 15 or so youth workers? Yeah. You take? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we really are thinking about the future and, uh, you know, how do we, how do we pass on the, the, the wealth of information that we've accumulated over the years and, you know, how do we instill wisdom in younger youth workers? That's really what my passion has been becoming as I've gotten older after all these years in youth ministry. So we pulled together, this is sort of a little test, uh, about 14 youth workers that we went out and solicited. They're somewhat diverse uh, in terms of where they're from and the types of ministries they're involved in. And we meet every other week for an hour. I give them something to read. And then we discuss it, we talk about it, we wrestle through it, an issue, and then uh, they will send me some thoughts, some sentences, or, or a couple of paragraphs on, you know, how they, what they've learned from this and how they, they believe we should be addressing this through our youth ministries and our families and our churches, and then I'll put that up on a blog. So it really is, you know, learning as we go on, on things that, that really matter. So I'm excited about, it's really been fun, John, you're actually a part of that. Um, you've been a great asset to the group and, and I'm, I'm hoping that in uh, the next few months, we'll be able to get some more of these started. So if folks are interested in these, you know, let us know, uh, because we just think it's, it's valuable. Cohort learning is really a valuable experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I want to point people to your blog as well, because, from that cohort, um, some of the, the youth workers will, you know, write a paragraph or so on certain issues and you post those on your blog. And so I want to point people to, if you go to cpyu.org, uh, is it Learning My Lines? Is that the name of your blog? You well, yeah. I mean, the best way to find that, it used to be a standalone years ago. It was called Learning My Lines and that's how you'd find it. But it, if you just go to cpyu.org, it's now embedded on our site. So okay. Uh, it's right there on the homepage. You can click in and, and go back years of, mm -hmm. you know, of, of content that that's on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, depending on when this podcast airs, uh, through this cohort, uh, we've had a few discussions on the topic of transgenderism. And so I'd love to point people back to the blog to see just some of the, the comments that the youth workers are making about that discussion. And that, that's going to be the focus of our discussion today. And I thought I would start off, um, and, and I will just go ahead and let our listeners know behind the scenes, I did not really give Walt a lot of heads up on this. Um, so I'm kind of just, uh, I, I texted him probably three minutes before we started to record this. So um, he's not responsible uh, for what he says, basically from here, from here, on, from here on out. Man, I wish um, that was a rule for me all the time. That would, <laughs> I, that would keep me out of trouble. I'll talk to Lisa about that yeah. and see, see if we can work that out. Um, but what, I mean, seriously hearing, uh, more consistently youth workers, as well as teachers, uh, talking about students transitioning, uh, in their class, um, not necessarily going through procedures or anything to that degree that, that I'm, I've been dealing with in, in my area, but hearing people say just changing the pronouns, changing the name. Um, and, and so, what, what's some advice that you would give uh, to, to youth workers 
dealing with this issue. Uh, how, you know, there's so much, how can we love them? How can we cling to the truth? How can we be gracious? Um, what's some counsel you would give as this is, you know, just repeatedly happening and becoming, you know, so common? Yeah, boy. Th- th- and this is a big question, John, because there are so many threads in the tapestry of youth culture that are coming together, merging in this issue. So let me, let me back up a little bit and say that, you know, as youth workers and, and certainly what parents, uh, as youth workers, I think we need to understand just some of the basics of human development and how God has designed us to grow and change. So, you know, I always tell parents and I tell youth workers, I remind them that our kids are really susceptible to whatever the agenda of the culture is. You know, Paul talks about the course of this world, and I think we need to know what the course of this world is. You know, the shift from modernism to postmodernism, where everybody decides for themselves what's right for them. And, you know, there's no commonly held objective transcendent truth anymore that people appeal to. You decide what's right for you. I'll let you decide what's right for you. And, you know, the, the, the best way to live right now is to, is to let people, according to the culture in the course of this world, to let people live into that. I had a conversation the other day where um, a mom of a college student was telling me about how her daughter is encountering on an Ivy League campus a push for what's called the platinum rule which is, you know, multiple steps beyond the golden rule, which we all understand, right? So the platinum rule is what kids are, are saying they're going to live by now, what college students are saying they're going to live by now. And, and you have to hold to this that, you know, do unto others whatever they want you to do. Mm. So it's about affirming everything about how a person's feeling. Now, that's, that's the cultural part. The, the reason why our kids are so susceptible to all these things is that developmentally, you know, there's two main tasks of adolescent development. There's multiple tasks, but two that I point out all the time that are just foundational, you know, to life itself. And certainly the scriptures speak to each of these tasks, and we could frame them in the form of questions. The first one being, who am I? That's the, that's the process of identity formation. And the second one being, what do I believe? That's the process of worldview formation. And the identity issue is a big issue right now. And when kids are asking the question, who am I, as they grow and change, and as physically and sexually their bodies begin to morph and mature as they go through this God-ordained process of puberty, that culture's there to, to tell them, and, and the peer group does the same thing because they're listening to the culture as well, as is the media, um, the, the culture is there to tell them, you know, that you need to find your identity in your gender choice or your gender preference, and then perhaps even in, in your sexual preferences and sexuality. So, you know, that's a big deal. And then, of course, the worldview comes in on that as well, because if we're, if we're working from the context of a biblical world and life view, which we should be, I mean, that's what we've been created for, um, God's given us his word to tell us how things should be and how things were intended to be and to guide us and steer us away from things that are not the way they're supposed to be. Um, you know, if we don't have that as a foundation, it, you're just going to go out and you're going to grab whatever's out there. And that's, if that's the soup you're swimming in, it's just going to seem normal and right. So I think, I think people need to be aware of that the kids are asking these questions. These are the answers that the culture is giving them. And, this, this really means for us that 
long before our students get into our youth ministries in their middle school years. Our children's ministries, our preschool ministries, our ministries to parents have to be speaking to these issues and providing a biblical foundation that will offer some clarity from which to live. And we say it all the time here, especially when it comes to matters of sexuality and gender, whoever has the conversation first with a young person, and it has to happen at a young age, whoever has the conversation first owns the conversation, sets the bar, and everything else they hear after that will be judged as true or false based on what they hear first. And this is where we need to speak clearly to our kids from a young age. I gave you a long answer there, and I didn't yep. even hit everything I wanted to hit. So ask <laughs> no, me that, clarifying questions. No, it was a good prefacing comment because, I mean, we're just jumping into a very volatile issue, a very challenging issue um, that, that we're trying to, again, seek to, to love these students and walk alongside them when, when they are struggling. And just important to reiterate, I mean, some of what you're, you're saying there is just continually having these conversations at, at younger ages. And as you're saying this, I'm just thinking more and more of, you know, youth workers need to be very intentional in partnering with the, the children's ministry in their churches. I mean, I know we, we talk about partnering with parents, but we talk about, you know, how can youth workers communicate this in their church? But to think of, okay, how can, you know, this be introduced earlier? I mean, in, in some ways, I feel like it cannot be introduced too early. Of course, you can take that to an extreme for sure. But the way in which you talk about it is going to be age appropriate. But just trying to prepare our children for this, because this is, I mean, if you think of the, the quote, I guess, quote, unquote, the other side and, and how they're indoctrinating children. I mean, there's so much children's literature that's being uh, produced to, to foster this transgender ideology among uh, younger, younger children. Um, and so just thinking of how we can be intentional to partner with the children's ministries and our churches to have some kind of, you know, scope and sequence or goal of uh, kind of laying out a just practical way to start introducing this and talking about it and, you know, talking about biblical gender. <laughs> I mean, looking at Genesis one and two and just starting there very basic with kids. Um, like you said, we're setting the bar there and, and giving them truth. Then whatever they hear after that, that's opposed to that, that they can hopefully recognize a little bit more and be a little bit more easily engaged. And so kind of, again, that's all prefacing, but now getting into, okay, the youth yeah. worker that, that has a student that is transitioning. What, what, what are some, what's some advice that you would give well, to that youth worker? Yeah. So I think one of the things that has to happen, you know, early on is to delineate between, and I know this is a complex tender issue, so I don't mean to oversimplify it, but one of the things that's happening in youth culture today is that we're moving beyond what I think always existed at some level. And, and that was with, with some people who struggled with what's now called gender dysphoria, where you know, they would say, I have, I have battled from as long back as I can remember feeling like, you know, a man trapped in a woman's body or, or, you know, a woman uh, trapped in a man's body. And, and so that's, you know, what's driving them. I mean, so it's, so it's been a, a long ongoing battle that maybe they've held inside and they've never talked about before. And certainly in cases like that, because they do exist, uh, you know, there's something going on there, dare I say, psychologically and spiritually. And, uh, you know, I, I know when you start to define these things this way, you're going to get some pushback from people. But, you know, I, I think that it's I think that it's something that we need to 
it's beyond what we can handle typically as parents and youth workers, because we're not trained in this, but I think we need to get them competent Christian counseling to, uh, with counselors who understand the, the gender binary as God created it. And as Jesus affirmed it, I was just reading Mark 10 this morning where he's talking about divorce. And, you know, I, I, I find among some of my progressive Christian friends that they would say, you know, that that they just want to bring people to Jesus and Jesus is all about love and they forget that Jesus is also about truth and Jesus is also about affirming the will of the Father and the way of the Father. Jesus was there at the creation. He created male and female. He he established the institution of marriage. And so, you know, uh, a lot of them will say, you know, just get bring them to Jesus and and let them go. You know, Jesus will love them. Well, I think we need to rethink that because that's just wrong. And I think we need to get the, get the counseling. Now, all that to say, and this is where I would say to youth workers, you know, you need to have at, at arm's length in today's world, uh, you know, a, a referral, a name and a phone number of someone who you and your, your church has vetted who is going to be the go-to person for this. But then there's another classification of kids, and I think this is going to, we're going to see, history is going to show this is the larger group right now that says they want to transition. And this is the group that is so immersed in those developmental tasks of identity formation or worldview formation that they have, they have encountered, whether in the friend group or online, and let's not forget the power of social media and the power of the internet and all the information that's out there, they have encountered an option that never was an option before to live into for gender. And sometimes, you know, I, I would I would say here now, it's, it's more of a social issue. So Lisa Littman at Brown University a few years ago uh, brought up what, after some research she had done, what she calls rapid onset gender dysphoria where there are the, the evidence is that there's no prior feelings at all. Like I just described, you know, that my whole life I felt this way, but rather suddenly this has become an option. My friends are considering it and I need to find a social group to fit in with. And this could be a group to fit in with much like some of the other uh, subcultures that have existed for so long in today's youth culture. I think about my own adolescence, you know, the heavy metal subculture, uh, the, the greaser culture, which some people may have to look that up, you know, but, but different things, you know, the jocks, the nerds, things like that. Where am I going to fit in? And we adopt attitudes, we adopt values, we adopt behaviors, we adopt forms of, forms of dress so that we conform and we find our place. And this becomes our identity. And some have said that adolescence is the identity fitting room. Uh, where we're trying on different selves and we come out, we make an appearance and we see how people respond to that. And if it doesn't work, we go back in and try something else. But if it does work, we keep it. And so this is supposedly, you know, working for some kids right now, this rapid onset gender dysphoria. And uh, uh, Abigail Schreier has written extensively on this in her book, Irreversible Damage, which by the way, she's on a crusade right now because Amazon took her book down. And okay. I they, knew Ron T. Anderson's book was yeah, taken down. I have not heard yeah, about her. Yeah, so when Harry became Sally, that's mm -hmm. gone. And Abigail Schreier is is making some noise about that as well. Now her book as of today is back up there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's not writing from a Christian perspective. She would not agree with you and I on what sexuality actually is. She would not hold to a biblical standard or biblical theology of, of sexuality. Yeah, and, and just to, to jump in there, I mean, she she's okay with adults transitioning um, yes. and, and having surgery, but she is specifically dealing with adolescent females right. and just the, the massive increase we've seen in the statistics on that over the last two years. Right. And this is how politically incorrect it is for her to be speaking out on this as a um, far left leaning in many ways, you know, thinker who, to my knowledge, um, you know, she does not talk about any sort of faith or at least she's not explicitly talked about that. But this rapid onset gender dysphoria, which she writes about, which Lisa Lippman uh, first started to talk about, it's actually what we would call a social contagion where somebody discovers it and they, and it starts to spread. So, you know, over the years, uh, uh, body dys, dys, dysmorphia, you know, things like anorexia, bulimia, uh, and all kinds of other new exias, right? So I just, we just did a little radio spot on one called bigorexia, which is pretty, pretty common among, or more and more common among, uh, males where they just, you know, steroids, you know, rabid workout routines to just try to develop mass, you know, huge muscles, that's bigorexia. And so, you know, this is like that because, you know, that was relatively unknown 40 years ago, uh, you know, the, any, any of the eating disorders, and now they're epidemic. And, and you can actually go online and learn how to be anorexic and learn how to worship the goddess known as Anna, the goddess of thinness. And so, you know, if someone's looking for a place to belong and meaning and purpose in life and a worldview, granted, this is a dead end road. We understand that from a Christian perspective, but kids are going there and they're embracing these things. Uh, the same thing has happened over the years with, with cutting. For some kids, it was there and it's been there for a long, long time, you know, self-injurious behavior, but, you know, as a way to cope with, with issues and emotional pain and heartache and inappropriate, but yeah. So it's a social contagion. Yeah, no, no, that, that's, I'm so glad you're bringing that up and, and just yeah, pointing people back to Abigail Schreier's book that it's very helpful as she really looks to that as kind of some of the origins of this. I mean, she, she points to, to several factors of why we're seeing this increase among adolescent females, but it's, it's been a very helpful book and, and want to point people there. And so, and while bringing this back to, to the youth worker, um, as they're seeking to deal with this, and you brought up a very important point about referring, um, being very cautious as youth workers of, of realizing when, when things are beyond our expertise and, and bringing in uh, someone who is way more uh, researched and experienced in, in various areas, the, the, the difficulty that I have is trying to discern, okay, when is it true gender dysphoria? Um, and when is it more, you know, socially um, that they're being influenced by, you know, if we want to just put it in, in this way, just a trend that that's taking place? Because I know stats, and this might have been a year ago or so, um, about 700,000 people in the, you know, the United States identify as transgender. And so, you know, a very small um, uh, percentage of our, our population and, uh, you know, seeing the increase in all this, okay, where, where is it just is true gender dysphoria where someone's a student is struggling in our youth group? How, how can we discern that? Yeah, I, I, you know, and, and I'm not sure how to answer that because 
you know, I'm not a, I'm not a counselor. So, and, and this is where youth workers, you know, it, there's this old phrase, you know, when in doubt punt, don't go for it on fourth down. So when you're in doubt, you know, you, you punt. And I think this is where it's really important to bring in the family to bring in, to be making your, your pastoral staff aware of these things. You know, there needs to be, um, uh, uh, a full spectrum response, if I can say that, where you're just not trying to handle this alone. I know that as as a youth worker, as a dad, uh, over the years, I mean, this is human nature, right? We want to help people. We want to save people. We want to make things right for people. And I think sometimes we grossly overestimate our capabilities and our expertise. And I think we need to know when we're, we're you know, we're out of our league. And certainly with these types of issues, I think this is where we bring uh, counselors in. You know, I, I, I do know that there are certain marks of rapid onset gender dysphoria. One would be there's never been any clue prior to this. And parents are, are being blindsided by this. Does that mean that, that it actually is rapid onset gender dysphoria? And this is just something that someone's, you know, gravitating towards because it seems kind of neat and, uh, you know, popular, and it's going to make me fit in. I think a parent's intuition is a good thing, but you learn to look for the signs of that. And yeah, you, you know, and, and, and kids, by the way, with, you know, I'll, I'll go back and say this, you mean the statistics are strong, John, on the number of kids who actually do struggle with gender dysphoria at a younger age or developmentally, who, you know, as they get older, they quote, unquote, quote, grow out of that. Um, they settled into what their, their biological, you know, birth gender, what the, who they are biologically, that aligns with that. Their gender identity aligns with that. And a lot of it's just a confusion of adolescence. So, yeah, I, now, if I can say something about counseling real quick, because this is really important, um, and this is the culture of counseling today and the culture of Christian counseling today, and I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon here, but the reality is that I tell people, find a competent Christian counselor. Now, let's break that down. A lot of times in the secular counseling world, they will affirm these things. And there are counselors now who will say, you know, if this is what you're feeling, that's legit. Live into it. You know, let's start you on the process of, you know, you know, start, start identifying in the way you dress that way, you know, transition that way, start to transition through, you know, hormone therapy. Well, let me let me interject too, especially yeah. while you're coughing. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the first steps are, you know, encouraging students to wear uh, females wanting to transition to, to wear binders. Yeah. They go around their their breasts, and what Abigail Shire brings up is that, you know, her title, irreversible damage. Um, there's tissue damage that those binders often do. She says in some cases, um, there have been cracked ribs from those binders, and so. Some people hear, okay, well, it's just a binder. It's nothing permanent. And that seems like a, just kind of a small step to maybe take to even encourage students who are wrestling with this. But just to point out, that's doing damage to, to young women. And so to, to be aware of, of that alone. Well, yeah. And that's what we need to understand that it's not just, you know, physical damage. There's also spiritual damage. There's relational damage. There's emotional damage. I mean, all these things come into play when we live out of God's order and design for who we are. 
And I think we need to realize, you know, we're all broken people. And this is where grace and truth is so important to have that, you know, to lovingly tell them the truth. Um, I want to come back to that, but let me, let me, let me, if I can say a couple more things about the counseling. Please do. Uh, so let me talk about Christian counseling, competent Christian counseling. It is very easy right now to get a counseling degree. Um, you can go online, you can become a counselor. And I find that there are many in the church who, you know, they want the letters after their name, they want the title, and they're going to, they're going to take the path of least resistance and get that. And man, is that's just so dangerous and irresponsible. And, you know, I mean, it really upsets me that people would pursue that. It upsets me, I think, even more that there's people who provide those pathways, whether they're, you know, credentialing organizations or even schools that provide counseling training that is far from adequate and, you know, Christian counseling training. So that's where I would say you really need to vet someone well, make sure their training is good, reputable training, make sure they have a track record, make sure they have expertise. You can't be careful enough in today's world to just say, I'm going to get, I found a Christian counselor. You know, I set out to find a Christian counselor. I found one. You don't know. And, you know, that's really alarming to me because that does way more harm than good. And so you want to find someone good. Yeah, absolutely. I, you're bringing up such a good point because I, I will say I had at least one student, um, maybe more than that, uh, who, who definitely were, were not connected with, I would put in your category, a competent Christian counselor and, and saw the damage that it did to, to this specific student. And so, yeah, the, the research before you do that, and, and like you said, for a youth worker or church to you know, do the research beforehand where you, you've got, you know, a couple of names or someone who's in a specific area where you can just know, okay, yes, we can always send students to this person. Um, well, I want to ask you something related to this. And so if you want to jump back and, and speak to that, but I also want to say, okay, I don't want this to sound like youth workers don't worry about this issue, just, you know, pass people off anytime this issue comes along. So without swing, swinging the pendulum too far in that direction, we would definitely encourage youth workers be reading oh, yeah. about this, educating yourself on this, yes. equipping yourself. So I just want to make sure we maintain a balance. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that enough. And in fact, you know, in preparation for this in the three minutes you gave me, John, I scribbled some notes. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this issue before at CPYU quite a bit. We've done podcasts on this. We've read, we've listened, and we, we just know it's a big issue that's unfolding. But I, I want to affirm a couple things you said there. One would be you know, do as much reading as you can. And, you know, for me, I am reading uh, what's being written by people who have uh, walked this journey, those who have embraced it and stayed with it, and those who have walked it and found, uh, you know, found a new way of living through their faith in Christ and how God has redeemed them from this. And, you know, even when it's extremely difficult, uh, you know, to continue to battle with this, but to make a decision to, in the midst of this brokenness, you know, live into who God designed me to be, as opposed to what my feelings in my head may be telling me I need to do and what the culture then is encouraging me to embrace. Uh, so I've read those. Uh, I've read a lot of the research. I, I would encourage 
youth workers to read the research that's coming out. Um, theology on sex and gender, I think you need to read that and make sure you're, you're, you're reading from people who are approaching this from a, a biblical standpoint. I'm finding that many who, who write on this from you know, a, a professed Christian perspective, don't go back to Genesis. We found the same thing on matters of same-sex attraction and uh, same-sex marriage that, you know, they're, they're leaning into passages where hermeneutically and exegetically, it is really, really sketchy and a stretch. And I think coming to conclusions that are just wrong and then not even going back to Genesis that, that really, when I started to read on this years ago, that really threw me, why aren't people going back to God's design? And, you know, if we understand the scriptures as a, a narrative of creation, fall, redemption, or restoration, why aren't we going back to what God intended and, and seeking to live into that, you know, in this now but not yet uh, realized kingdom of God that we, you know, this in-between space that we live in. So, uh, you know, I would read on that as well. And yeah, so so there's lots out there, you know, again, you know, people, I, I know people can go to our website. I'm sure you folks there at RYM are helping people with this, but we're always updating with links and and helpful things that really will cement a biblical perspective. And by the way, keep leaning into that. And, uh, you know, I love in the book of Joshua, be strong and courageous. We need to be strong and courageous as youth workers in this. And the you know, last thing I'll say before you ask me another question, John, if you have any more questions, um, the last thing I would say is, you know, just a very practical thing for youth workers is strike that balance between grace and truth. You know, Jesus did that just masterfully and perfectly. We know that. And that's a great example for us. We don't lean into grace where we say, you know, so much that it's that cheap grace Bonhoeffer talked about, you know, it's like, well, God will accept you no, no matter what, or Jesus just wants you to be true to yourself. No, there's borders and boundaries that when we live into those things, we flourish. And when we cross those borders and boundaries, we undermine our human flourishing. We are less human and we are less godly. And so we want to strike that balance of grace and truth, you know, and I think I said something earlier. I say this all the time, you know, we, we've drained our understanding of love in today's world. Love is basically something, you know, we see it as, as just complete affirmation of other people and their, their desires, whatever those desires and behaviors may be. And that's not what love is, you know, uh, love was, wants what's best for others. Certainly with parents, we understand that, or we should. And, you know, the way I think about it is I need to be present in other people's lives and loving them enough to tell them the truth, even if the truth is difficult. And I need people in my life because I'm a broken person and, you know, I may not struggle with same-sex attraction or, you know, feelings of, of you know, being the wrong gender in, in the body that God has placed me in, but I have other bents that I need people to speak truth into my life. And, you know, especially when it comes to sexuality, we're, we're all broken there right? Mm -hmm. We all experience broken sexuality. So youth workers, be bold in this, know the truth, but love kids tenderly and, and walk through this with them. I mean, that's what we're there for. And yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, that's a good word. I mean, that balance of grace and truth. And we know that that ultimately telling the truth is is gracious, that there's not a, a dichotomy there, but it's the way in which it's presented. And, and I think sometimes because this is such a complex issue and there's so many nuances to it, it can be difficult in thinking through, okay, how do we actually deal with this when we're, we're, we're when we have a name and a face of a student, you know, in our, our youth group. And I think one way that, that's been helpful to me is just to think about, you know, this from a evangelistic standpoint, um, that there's a way to communicate the gospel that's incredibly harsh, you know, leading with, you're going to burn in hell unless you turn to Jesus. Um, that's the gospel, but <laughs> that's probably not the best way to, to lead off in that conversation. And so thinking through, okay, how would you communicate the gospel to someone who has no concept or category for this? you know, starting there and, and graciously, lovingly unpacking that. Well, in a similar way, we'll, we'll start to do the same with, with gender discussions and talking about, as you say, kind of creation, fall, redemption, um, not leading with necessarily, you know, the, the harsh um, kind of conclusion maybe that you're working to. And so that's that's been helpful for me to to think about this issue. Um, Walt, I know we're, we're starting to draw this to a close. And so a question is just, you know, how can youth leaders lead in this area? Um, how can they lead their churches? How can they lead their parents? As we've said repeatedly, oftentimes the youth workers are, are younger. Um, and so they're dealing with parents who are older than them, pastors and leadership who are older than them. And so what are some steps that youth workers can take to, to try to lead you know, a congregation maybe who isn't dealing with this issue or um, just trying to take steps towards understanding this, this issue a little bit more? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the first thing would be to, and we've already alluded to this, but learn as much as you can about this. And it's not just to inform yourself and and give yourself the ability to understand things, but to pass on what you've learned to the people who are maybe the greater influencers or the greater influences in the lives of our students than you are as a youth worker. And so this would obviously be parents. Uh, first and foremost, so resource parents, give them a sense of what's happening out there. I find that, you know, most parents are blindsided by these things because they've been ignorant for so long to these things. And sometimes they're the last ones, unfortunately, to know what's going on in the in the world and know what the course of this world is or, or you know, what's in the soup that their kids are swimming in every day in terms of youth culture. So, you know, be a translator for them, make them aware of these things and I would I would say as well that I find that if a youth worker is on a church staff, sometimes you're the person more than anyone else, including whoever is preaching each week, you know, your senior leadership, your elder board, they don't know much about this. So, for example, I just had a conversation last week with an elder board and elders and the deacons uh, from a church that is trying to navigate you know, what is social media and how did social media play into the divisions over the course of the last year as it relates to COVID and the election and, um, you know, the, the cultural issues regarding our divisions over race, you know, because they they were struggling with this and it was it was yielding um, uh, division in their church. And so they wanted to go back to square one and, you know, things that you and I might think we've been thinking about this forever and we assume everyone else thinks about these things in the same way. They may never approach this. And so to make them aware, uh, you know, it, it was actually delightful to be able to raise their level of awareness. So I would encourage you to 
keep funneling to your senior leadership in your church what's going on there. And then, you know, I, I would encourage any pastors who are listening or the youth pastors who are listening to tell the pastors, hey, we need to be preaching on this. This this needs to be dealt with from every angle, you know, every teaching angle, every ministry angle in our church, every ministry outlet needs to address this from the youngest ages to the oldest, and certainly, you know, teach on gender, teach on sexuality, teach on the biblical narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And, you know, how, because every cultural issue needs to be viewed through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something just kind of to, to nuance that as well as I'm thinking of it, just all the churches out there, there might be plenty who just feel that they don't have the resources to, to kind of teach on this, that um, someone may feel ill-equipped as we've talked about, there's so many complexities and they don't even have time to do the research. Well, I think of just, I mean, through this cohort, some of the YouTube, um, you know, lectures that are out there. Okay. If, if you do not feel equipped to, to teach on this, maybe set up a, I don't know, a six week kind of small group meeting to where you watch 15 minutes of a segment of a talk and then you discuss it in a large group or, you know, small group Q and A, and then watch another 15 minutes. And so to, to think creatively about how this could be communicated, if you're one out there who thinks, okay, I, I don't feel like I could address this issue. Well, yeah, you have, because of the internet, uh, just so many resources out there that you can utilize, obviously pointing people back to cpyu.org as well. I mean, so many articles, blog posts where you could just have everyone read it and then discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, you, you raise a good point there, John, because I mean, this is one of the great things about technology, right? We can mm -hmm. find great truth, but then the downside is we can also find, <laughs> you know, horrible damaging lies. And this is, this is what's feeding this. And, uh, you know, with so many of our kids, obviously, but uh, two of the resources that we looked at in our cohort that I would mention very quickly um, that people can link to if you go on YouTube and you just do a search, uh, this is going to be a, an interesting search string, right? But Kevin DeYoung, we're all familiar with Kevin DeYoung, but put in Kevin DeYoung transgender, the word transgender, and it'll take you to, it's a little over two hours, maybe about two and a half hours. And, and it, it is pure gold where uh, it was a conference they did at their church, I believe back in, in January or February, where uh, Kevin gave a, sort of a theological framework for what the issues really are. It was absolutely brilliant. And then he was followed up by um, the counseling prof from, um, from RTS, uh, Jim uh, New. I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, here I was name. looking Jim yeah. Newheiser. Yeah, Jim Newheiser, who I had never been exposed to before. But he had such a, a pastoral approach and just brilliance in terms of giving recommendations to parents on how to navigate these things. And then it ended with uh, basically a testimony, a presentation by a gal they had invited in who was born a biological female, but transitioned to male, and then it came to faith in Christ and uh, detransitioned. And after these radical steps that you were starting to describe earlier to, I mean, actual radical surgical steps. And it was a powerful, powerful testimony of God's grace and offered some great insight into the mind of those that are thinking this way. So that would be one resource. The other was, um, and maybe, I don't know if you can provide a link to this, John, or not, but Peter Linus, L-Y-N-A-S, who's with, um, I think it's called the Evangelical Alliance over in Ireland. We've had conversations with Peter. We've had him on podcasts, uh, but Peter has written a downloadable PDF 
which is a, a, a brilliant theological and practical response to transgender that churches can use. Very, very good stuff that uh, we discussed in our in our cohort as well. So that that's just scratching the surface of what's out there. Yeah, no, I was trying to look that up as you were um, discussing that. If people, it is the Evangelical Alliance. If mm. people go to EAUK.org, so Evangelical Alliance and then UK. Right, it's the whole UK, not just, he's in Northern Ireland, but he, mm-hmm. he runs that, yeah. Yeah, so EAUK.org, and then on their homepage, uh, you'll see uh, transformed the resource, and you just, you can click download, and it's a... PDF, like you said, less than 40 pages. And, uh, you know, it has some images in there. So it's not even 40 pages if people don't want to read that. And um, as you mentioned, uh, Kevin DeYoung, I know he's also a part of a um, a movie that you can view uh, online. It's inhisimage.movie. So if people go to inhisimage.movie, um, that was uh, put together, I think, by uh, American Family Studios. Um, but he's on that, uh, Ryan, Ryan T. Anderson, who we mentioned earlier, wrote When Harry Became Sally. He's featured on that, but there, there's several who are featured on that, and that's a, a free movie. Um, it looks like it's about an hour and 45 minutes, so that's something people can view together uh, in, a, in a group in a church and, and discuss that, so that's something I would want to point people to. Walt, I know with an issue like this, we could continue to talk on and on about it. I mean, hopefully this gave just some kind of direction for youth workers who are seeking to, to deal with this. Cause you know, I, I think about how difficult this issue is and how much out, how much resources are out there to try to read and stay on top of But Youth workers are doing this while they're also planning for retreats, uh, having weekly programming that they're dealing with, uh, preparing for a small group study. So this is one issue of just many areas of responsibility they're, they're trying to, to seek to balance. And so hopefully uh, some of these resources will, will help them uh, just as they seek to, to do that faithfully in their local congregation. So I appreciate you just jumping in and having a quick discussion on this. And I know, Lord willing, we'll, we'll have you back before too long. Great. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure. Without money. Oh, come and feast without pay. Yeah.